Chats from the Blog Cabin. Your favorite podcast is here. Hi, guys. It's Melissa here. I really hope you enjoy this episode with my friend Cassie. Cassie is one of my new friends that I've written about several times on the blog. And which, you know, kind of helps me with my perspective and kind of inspires me a lot to do different things. You'll hear at the very end that I tell her that she's inspired me to write more personal stuff on the blog as well. To tell a little bit of the stories of things like when I was growing up. Um, Honestly, guys, I hope you really enjoy this episode. This episode is basically focused on North Carolina culture because she writes about North Carolina. She writes about the two different cultures that she grew up in. Um, she writes at the blog called Where the Dogwood Blooms, and she was really nervous when I asked her to come on, but I just felt like she had such a wealth of knowledge, and I just absolutely adore her and love her, and I just felt like you guys would love her as well. I mean, the amount of knowledge, of, as she says in the interview, the amount of useless knowledge she has about the state of North Carolina is amazing, and I will agree that her amount of knowledge from North Carolina of just off the walls, she'd be great for trivia, is awesome. So, I hope you enjoy this episode, and with that, start listening. Come join Melissa and her guests on the Chats from the Blog Cabin podcast. From North Carolina, this podcast will have you feeling like you've known these folks for years. Listen in as they chat about life, culture, current events, and more, all with a special Southern flair. Curl up with your favorite beverage and get ready to be entertained. Tune in now for a unique experience that's fun and insightful. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know the show where I virtually invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Cassie today. She is one of my new friends. Um, We have actually, we met one time like in the middle between Fayetteville and Goldsboro and then we also I went to Fayetteville one time to visit with the Mrs. T and I said hey I'm gonna be here you want to meet up and then you came down here and I did a tour guide so Cassie welcome to the show I love your if you guys notice if you're watching you'll see the background we had some dogwoods and why is that the reason why did I put some dogwoods in the background for you Cassie so I'm the blogger at where the block the where the dogwood blooms um, and I talk about North Carolina and, and, you know, the dogwood is our state flower. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself before we start talking about where the dogwood blooms. Okay. So I am from North Carolina. My family is from North Carolina, both sides going all the way back to when North Carolina was first settled. Um, I grew up in two different cities. So I grew up in Canton, North Carolina and Wilmington, North Carolina, which has two very distinct and diverse cultures. Mm-hmm. And um, I married right out of high school. We've been together for 20 some years. We have two daughters that we homeschool. Um, yeah, that's about it. And then I spend the rest of my time blogging and yeah. And taking care of your dog. We have to give Axel a shout out. <laughs> I'm actually a little worried because he's up right now and he barks a lot. Um, so if anybody follows the blog, you know, I have a Doberman puppy and Dobermans are very loud. Um, so if y'all hear him bark, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Like I said, this is, it's real life. It's what happens. It's what happens when we have genuine conversations so let's talk about where the dogwood blooms. Why did you decide to focus? Because I know you originally were blocking about other things, but then you decided to do where the dogwood blooms. Right. So I used to do a blog about genealogy, which is really how I got interested in North Carolina history and all these different kinds of things, legends and um, historical sites. And um, when I was doing that, I found a blog called... Um, uh, the blind pig and the acorn. And she writes about Appalachia. And I had been away from the mountains for a really long time at this point. And her blog is so beautiful. It feels like going home. Like whenever I reopen her blog up, there's always stories, there's 
recipes. There's all these different things that is all about the mountains. And I thought, how great would it be if there was a blog that was about North Carolina that was like that, that didn't just talk about the mountains, but talked about the beach and talked about, you know, all these different places in between. Um, and it kind of started there. And then years later, I was on the Nextdoor app and someone had posted a, a photo of a, a bobcat that had been run over and they weren't from here. And they didn't know what it was. They thought it was a mountain lion. And I was like, wow, there are so many people who don't know. They move here and they don't understand the culture and they don't understand what animals are here and they don't know all these different things. And that kind of motivated me. And after I responded to the photo, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to create this blog and I'm going to let people know, you know, it'll be a place where people who are from North Carolina can connect to things that they grew up around and somewhere that people who aren't from here can go, okay, let me get to know North Carolina. That is so true. And what I know a lot of bloggers agonize over what they're going to call their blog. How easy was it for you to come up from where the dogwood blooms? It actually wasn't easy. I had a really hard time trying to come up with a name for the blog. So at dinner one night, I asked my whole family, I was like, what do you think? Like, and my oldest daughter was, um, she started sending me different names over a couple of days. And um, she picked where the dogwood blooms because of um, where the red fern grows. Mm. She switched it to dogwoods because, you know, North Carolina. And I thought that is so perfect. So that's how I picked my name. I love that. Give a shout out to your daughter because that is a perfect name. Thank you. And your blog is so different from any of the other blogs I read because it not only focuses on the history, like you said, but it also focuses on like fire ants. And you, I mean, you just wrote a post this week about <laughs> darn uh, the, our existence. I mean, the fire ants and the South and North Carolina are horrible. Yeah. And I love the fact that you actually bring that out because a lot of people don't want to focus on the bad things that may happen, but you want to give it context. You want people to be aware of when they come to the state, the good and the bad. Right. And I don't necessarily, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm terrified of fire ants. My sister fell into, a, this is in the blog post. My sister, when she was little, I mean, very little, she fell into a huge fire ant mound and she had to be rushed to the ER. She almost died. Um, and since then, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm afraid of them. And, but I wouldn't, I grew up with them. So they're a part of you know, what I've been around and what I know, I would, I don't think I would want to get rid of them entirely. I'm sure some people would, but they kind of make up what is North Carolina, just like, you know, um, kudzu, you know, kudzu takes over everything and yet the flowers smell so good. You know, it right. makes the landscape kind of hauntingly beautiful. It's not something that I would necessarily want to change, but it is something that people should be aware of. That is so true, especially if you're walking around in flip-flops during the summer and you come across that pile and you think, oh, nothing of it. And then, boom, it's like they're swarming on you. Yeah. And if you're from Western North Carolina, there is no fire ants there. Um, they're getting closer. And I believe there are actually some that are coming in from the Tennessee side. Um, but where I grew up, there were none. So even living in North Carolina, if you've never been to the coast or you've never been to the middle of the state, you probably have no idea the havoc that they wreak down here. They wreak a lot of havoc. Now, I like the fact that you cover not only that, but you cover places to travel and also the local lore and the local legends. I think that's so cool because you always want to know a little bit more. Like, like for instance, Gracie and I are going to Charleston to meet up with Maddie this weekend. And I want to know all about, I can't about Charleston. And so we're going to go on a ghost tour and stuff like that. But you do the local lore. And I think that's so cool. What, how do you make the criteria? Okay. This is what I'm going to cover on the blog. What am I, this is the local legend I'm going to cover. So I am very, uh, I don't want to say organized because I have a giant list that has probably a thousand things on it that I want to write about. And one day I'll just be like, okay, this is what I'm going to write about. You know, I, I mean, cause there's so, there's so, so, so much to cover. There's, legends, there's history, there's animals, there's people. Um, when you're, 
when you're from North Carolina, I feel like, or, or from anywhere, um, you get so blinded to the things around you. You know what I mean? Like, like fire ants, you just kind of get used to them and you don't pay them any attention anymore. And I want to bring those things to the forefront. I want you to pay attention to those things. I want you to notice that this is a different place. Do you think growing up from two different parts of the state, the mountains and the coast, like you said, distinct cultures, that's the reason why you want to bring awareness and you want to write about this stuff because you experience two different cultures. Right. So, which is very, <laughs> I think it ha people have a hard time understanding it. My daughters, we go to the mountains once a year, every year. Um, and they notice that my accent changes when I go home, but that's how I spoke, you know, the first 15 years of my life, 10 years of my life, I had a very heavy, thick Appalachian accent. And so when I hear it, it just automatically turns on. Um, and then after I come home, it takes a few days for it to kind of tone itself back down again. Um, and my daughter was like, you're code switching. And I was like, I'm not code switching. That's It's part of who I am. Like I can't, help it like when I hear it it just naturally you know what I mean and it's not thick and it's not overly but I can they hear it I don't notice it um but there is a huge difference between beach culture and Appalachian mm -hmm. culture and I grew up very very aware of that because my time was heavily split between the two places um the way people talk is different the the you know, my family in Wilmington is very, um, very laid back and very, um, just very chill, very beach bomb kind of, you know what I mean? Um, and in the mountains, people are very um, kind of shut off. It's very about family. There's a lot of storytelling that we do up there. Um, and I think that that definitely inspired what I do now because, I can see very clearly and, you know, there are actually other cultures in North Carolina that are just as distinct as the two I grew up in. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that there's enough people talking about it and trying to preserve it. That is so true. And right now we need to take a brief commercial break, but we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alice Chun. I'm the inventor of the solar puff. This is the solar puff. It flat packs flat like an origami balloon and you can pop it open and you get a beautiful cube of light. No batteries needed, just the sun. And we are using this for PTSD therapy with children in Ukraine. And now I'm going to Turkey to deliver these to the earthquake victims, Solite Design, and this is the Solar Puff. And we are back with Cassie. Um, you mentioned in there storytelling. Now you are also going, have you already gone? Are you going to the mountains to do like a storytelling that I know you're really nervous about? I am super nervous about it. So I'm going to the Highland Games this year. Um, and that is um, right after 4th of July. And I'm going to be doing some Appalachian storytelling for the Cochran family. And so tell us what that entails. I mean, how did you get the offer and then how did it you know, unfold and everything? So on the blog, I tell a lot of really personal stories about growing up, like earlier about my sister, um, those kind of things. You know, in Appalachia, when you're growing up, um, people always think that storytelling is is all based on folklore and this, and it, it is, there's, there's parts of it that way, but really it's your family kind of gets together and they, they tell their memories and their stories about neighbors and, um, you know, local places. And um, they just share their memories. And we lived on a cattle farm beside my Papa Cochran and Papa Cochran would walk through the cattle field every day and he would come visit my grandparents and he would drink a cup of coffee and he would give me candy and they would sit around and they would tell stories about our family. And I grew up my entire childhood listening to, you know, them talk about 
um, what it was like before there were cars. Or um, my grandmother was so short that she wasn't allowed to attend school um, when she turned five. She wasn't allowed to go to school with everyone else. Um, and I know all of these incredible things about my family because, you know, from my great grandfather to my grandparents, my dad, my aunts and uncles, my cousins, we all do this. And I, I think my kids were about probably 10 when they first realized that like this kind of magic happens when my Appalachian family gets together. It'll be like we're all sitting around around a fire and everybody will be chit chatting. And then all of a sudden stories start getting told and everybody starts laughing and, and it's just this really good time. And, and to me, that's what storytelling is. And so I got, when I started writing the blog, if you know, for people who read it, you know, like I tell a lot of these stories when I blog and I'm constantly talking about the mountains because, you know, I spent the first, eight years of my life there. I went back every summer. I still go every year. Um, so I talk about it a lot. And I was posting about my, you know, memories of my great grandpa and, you know, my, my mama and papa. And um, someone from Clan Cochrane reached out to me and they were like, we would love it if you would come and tell stories for us at the Highland Games. So I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. So I'm heading up there very soon. I am very nervous about it, but I'm excited too. I, I I like to share stories about my family and growing up. So I think it'll be good. Okay. So are you going to be in costume? Or are you just going to go like a regular or how, how is that going to work? <laughs> so I, I'm planning on taking, we're going to take some chairs and set up to make me comfortable. Like it would actually be, you know, with my family and I'm just going to tell the stories. And I asked her, I was like, do you want me to, to tell like the real stories or do you want me to like water them down? And she was like, no, no, I want you to tell real Appalachian stories. And I was like, okay. Girl, you, you don't know what you're in for. <laughs> do you think that storytelling that was passed down has made you more interested? I noticed when you write in, in conversations that we've had as well, that you research everything that you write about, that you really like go deep down into the history, into the depths of the history of what you write about. Do you think that that came out of growing up around that storytelling? Actually, I I don't know where, maybe. Um, my mama called her Woody family warriors. And when I was about five or six, I remember her telling me that I was a warrior. I was like, I was like the Woody family. And I am, I'm very, I'm, I'm a nervous kind of person. I'm very anxious. You spent time with me. Yeah. you know. Um, I'm the same way. <laughs> and so when I was in high school, I started researching on the internet. If I didn't know something, I would look it up. I wanted to know everything. And that can be horrible because you can end up on places like WebMD. Luckily, my, my interests kind of lead me in the direction of good things mostly. So um, yeah, I think that's kind of how it started is I just, I have this thirst to know things that I don't know. And it ends up becoming like, it's probably annoying for my family. Like we go places and I'm like, oh look, there's a sweet gum tree or, oh look, there's, you know, a fox squirrel or, or whatever, because I know all these weird random things that other people just don't really know. So I, like we'll go places and I'm like a tour guide. Like I've lived there before and I've never even been, but yeah, it just comes natural. I guess. I can so attest to that knowledge of you. You said you had a wealth of useless knowledge. That's what you said when we were taking the hike around Waynesboro Park, because you're like, Oh look, there's that, there's that, there's this. But then I taught you something on your iPhone. You did. I, I, I use it all the time now. So I'll take a picture and look up what plan it is if I doesn't if I don't know what it is. So yeah, you've just added to my useless knowledge base. <laughs> <laughs> now I love the fact that you travel to places. A lot of a lot of places and you don't you travel but you don't expect to be paid to be traveled. You you travel and you go places because you have that thirst. There's a lot of bloggers especially in North Carolina that want to write about the the history or write about places to go in the state but they always put an affiliate link or something in and that's something with pure with you you don't put that in there 
No, I don't. So I, I'm, I have a very, I'm what I call a micro blogger. I have a small following, but they're very loyal and they're very active on social media. Um, and when I go somewhere, it's because I want to know about it. It's something that I would be interested in reading about. Um, so I don't know if I'll ever change format. Maybe we'll see. But for now, this is how I'm happy. This is my hobby. It's it's what I do. I'm a stay at home mom. Like I said, one of my girls has already graduated. The other one is not far behind. So um, this is what I want to do. You know, um, so I don't really have to worry about writing about what someone else wants me to or highlighting what someone else wants me to. I write what I think other people actually care about. So that kind of gives me a certain freedom that a lot of other, other bloggers don't have. So where do you think that thirst of knowledge besides the storytelling growing up um, to want to tell the stories about North Carolina come from? Well, so my mama was very, um, how do I put it? She was very, mama was very smart. She read to me every day when I was little um, and a wide range of things. Like she read to me the boxcar children, Gone with the Wind, like all these different things. Um, and we would, she would, her and my papa would take me on trips. We went to the Outer Banks. Um, they took me, you know, all over Western North Carolina. I would visit my mom. Um, and then when I live with my mom, my mom has like this thirst for travel. Like mom took me everywhere. She took me to Washington, DC. We went to Hawaii. Um, we went to different places all across North Carolina. Um, and so I've always, I, I grew up not only experiencing my own culture, but other cultures too. And I always, there was, because I grew up at, at the beach and in the mountains that have these very unique cultures to them, it made me appreciate others. Um, and so I've just always wanted to know more. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I just grew up with people who fostered that. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. wanted me to experience things and they wanted to show me new things. And I think that really kind of led to where I'm at now. Yeah. I want to, you mentioned your social media. You have a huge following. I won't say huge, but you have a, a very interactive following on Twitter. I'm going to put your Twitter up there right now. But I also noticed that when you're going to a town, you're like, okay, I'm going there. What do I need to try? And right. I love the fact that you want feedback. So right. I think it's it like, like I said, I, I want to write not only for the people of North Carolina, but for people who are coming here or who are new here. And so I want to know what the locals want to do. You know what I mean? Like when I go to the home to the mountains, I, it always drives me crazy. And don't get me wrong. I grew up going to Asheville. Asheville is a beautiful place and there's a ton of things to do there. But over time, Asheville has lost its kind of hillbilly culture. And if you're from the mountains, that's that's a big deal. Like being a hillbilly is who I am. Like it is a, a not completely who I am, but it's a big deal. And so if you're going to Western North Carolina and all you can talk about is Asheville, you're missing this genuine, authentic kind of experience of what it's like to be in the mountains. Um, so when I go somewhere, I want to know, hey, you're from Goldsboro. What do you enjoy to, to do? What do you like to eat? Where do you like to go? Um, and I want to experience those things, you know, as if I were a local. And people respond to that. I actually had someone, it, it, it kind of made, it made me a little teary-eyed. Um, he wrote me and he was like, I read your blog and it feels like home. And I was like, oh, like that is probably the most beautiful comment anyone has ever given me about anything I've ever written. And I've been blogging for a long time. And I was like, that's what I want right there. That's. I smell a tagline there where you feel like home or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned hillbilly culture. What is hillbilly culture for those that. Because I immediately, when people think about hillbillies, they think about the Beverly Hillbillies. Right. Um, so what is that for people that don't know? So hillbillies, um, my, 
So let me go ahead and say, if you're not a hillbilly, don't use that term. People don't like it, but um, I am. And so, you know, we are very family oriented. We're very in touch with the outdoors, um, spending time gardening and, and hiking. And these kind of things are very ingrained in our culture. We're very protective over our friends and family. Um, we're very, for instance, um, a lot of people who homeschool their children, homeschool their children because um, they want to teach through, you know, religion or because they, you know, di different things. For me, it was I wanted to be with my kids. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted them to be at home. I wanted them to learn how to cook. I wanted them to know how to mow a lawn and how to do these different things. And it was like when they were going to public school, they were in school and then they would come home and then they had hours of homework, even when they were little. And I felt like they were being robbed of all these other experiences. And I thought there's got to be a better way. And I know that that comes from my background. I know that that comes from me growing up surrounded by Appalachian culture because I want to keep my family close. Um, the feuding thing. I wish I could say that that's a joke. It's not. Um, you know, when you grow up in, in that culture, you become very, I, I hate to say it about myself, but I am one of those people. Don't cross me. If you cross me, we're not probably ever going to get along again. And that was passed down to me. And I know that that can be a flaw in certain cases, but in other cases, it's not, it kind of protects me. Um, you know, Appalachians are very, very resistant to change. And I think that probably also influences my blog. I'm very resistant to change. I, I like to preserve things and I like to keep things somewhat stable and the same. Um, Appalachian culture, I think, is a very big mystery to people who aren't from Appalachia. Um, but the, the truth is, is Appalachians are very kind. Um, it may be kind of hard to get in there, but once you're in there, they're very accepting. They're always willing to help. Um, my sister actually came and I wrote about this and um, a tree had fallen in my yard and it just missed my house. It just missed my car. And she drove all the way up from Brunswick County and brought a chainsaw and helped me clean it up. And that right there is like the epitome of Appalachian culture. You know, I can remember people um, when cows would escape, my, the people on my street would get together and help my great papa get cows back into the field. Um, it's, it's actually, it's very, very beautiful. It, I get very offended when people belittle it. It's not something that should be belittled. It's something that should be honored. Um, and yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 different, but it is it's not bad different. It's it's good. And I want people to be able to connect with that and experience that. It's like a sense of connection of being in a small town where everybody's kind of helping each other out. Like exactly. back back in the I want to say back in the day, because back in the day, people were so willing to help each other and, and neighbors knew each other. That's sort of like the culture. Correct. Right. I mean, the road I grew up on, I was literally related to everyone on my street. And I don't mean closely related. Um, don't get me wrong. I was closely related to some, but others, it was very distant. We're talking third, fourth cousins, but I was literally related to everyone on my street. And so we all knew each other. We all looked out for each other. Um, and it's still that way. Like when I go back home, um, I still see Mildred who lived across the street, um, you know, and I'm still related to everyone there. And so, um, yeah, it's very much everyone looking out for each other. And that's a beautiful thing. I wish there were more of that everywhere. I think the world would be a better place, too, if there was more everybody looking out for each other. Right. So let's talk about what what makes you decide to go to the places like you. I know you came to Goldsboro because I invited you down and said, hey, let's go. Do, let's go explore in Goldsboro one day. But what makes you decide to go to the places? Because I know you and I have something in common. We're both kind of afraid to drive the big highways by ourselves. I am so guilty of that. And I 100% will be taking the back roads to Charleston. I mean, because 95, no, 95 yeah. is horrible. But 
what makes you decide to go to these places and, and what's your criteria for it? Um, I don't actually have criteria. It's usually so um, in the mountains, we rode around a lot. Uh, my dad would put me in the car and we would drive 45 minutes, an hour away and just go explore. And that's basically what I do. If someone invites me to like, I got invited to Elkin. I went up and explored Elkin, which was amazing. Elkin is beautiful. Um, and then you invited me to Goldsboro. I have family in Brunswick County, so I'm usually going down there anyway. My mom lives in New Hanover County. I go there anyway. Um, so I just, one day I'll wake up and I'll be like, okay, I've been trapped in the house too long. I'm going on a trip and I'll load everybody up in the car and we'll go somewhere. And it'll, you sometimes it's just to see a historic church or just to go, you know, eat at a restaurant or whatever it may be, but we'll just get in the car and go because, you know, I get antsy and I'll go do something. And I love, do you have far in advance do you research? Cause you said, you get antsy and you and you just want to go somewhere. But like you said, either to go see a historic church, you obviously have to know a little bit about and have to kind of have in your mind a little bit of like a, a bucket list that you want to see. Right. So like I said earlier, I have a list that has probably thousands of ideas on it of things. Like I looked up um, historic sites in North Carolina. And if I think they're interesting or if I want to see them, then I'll just take the trip out and I'll go see it. Or um, if there is a legend somewhere and I, like we went, um, I believe it was last summer, we went down to Holden Beach and I made my husband take the back way and drive through Bladenboro because of the Vista Bladenboro so that I could take some pictures around Bladenboro. <laughs> um, I do things like that all the time. I'll, you know, kind of veer off to the side and be like, okay, I need to see this because I want to write about it. Yeah. And which brings me to a story about you. The first time we met, you actually, you were like, oh, there were some beautiful cotton fields because we met at the old North State Food Hall in um, Selma. And you're like, oh, there's some cotton fields. I'm like, did you get them? She said, no, but I'm going to get them on the way back. And you got them on the way back. You just yeah. pulled over and took the picture. <laughs> right. Um, and sometimes I'll be driving through somewhere and I'll see this beautiful old falling down house and I'll take a picture and be like, okay, I have to find out about this house. And then I'll research it. And if I find out about it, then I'll post about it. Um, that's actually kind of what happened with, um, there's a place in White Oak, North Carolina. And for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of it right now. I'm so sorry. Um, but I stopped and we were on the way to uh, Jones Lake. And I stopped at this old plantation house. And I was like, this is amazing. This is so beautiful. And so I ended up writing about it. Um, there's a church between Fayetteville and Wilmington that I used to pass all the time. And it has this big beautiful oak tree with a Spanish moss hanging down and I was like this is amazing so I stopped and took pictures and I wrote about it um I just I'm easily my I'm, I'm a dreamer I'm easily you know I'm, I don't want to say amused but I, I get attracted to things and and so I'll usually just be like oh, that is gorgeous and I'll stop and take a picture and then I end up writing about it how how long is it from the time you take the picture to the time you, okay, I've got to really sit down and investigate because you have to have some great investigative skills to be able to go down and research. Like if you saw a picture of a house and, and you took the picture and you got to figure out where it was at. First of all, you're like, have to rack your brain or do you make a note of where you found it at or where you saw it at? <laughs> so um, I always have my camera with me and I, you know this because I've yep. visited you and I, I feel like it took me forever to get there because I kept stopping and taking pictures. There's probably, no joke, six or 7,000 pictures on my computer right now that I'm like, okay, I'm going to write about this eventually. <laughs> One day it will happen. One day I'll write about this. So I literally have pictures that were taken three or four years ago that I'm like, I'm going to write about this. I really am. I just don't know when. I love that because then then on the times where like if, if another pandemic happens or heaven forbid are times where you, you can't go out like the weather's bad and you really can't go out. You have that. Right. Stop. But how do you organize it? How do you keep it organized so you know what picture goes with what? So um, Photoshop, the way that whenever you upload your photos to Photoshop, it gives you a date and 
it'll have all of your pictures that you uploaded on that specific date. Um, and so I'll label it where I was at and then it'll have all the pictures. And so I'll know, okay, this was from my trip to Haywood County or this was from my trip to Duplin County or, you know, this was my trip to Wilmington. And, you know, so then whenever I need to pull up a picture, I can just go to one of those trips and I know, okay, this it's going to be in one of these Wilmington ones or, you know, um, which makes it easy to find and kind of pull up what I want to use. I love that. Now you said it could be anything that can just draw your attention. Like we talked about cotton fields. I know you took, you took a trip because I honestly didn't think I was going to actually meet, be able to meet up with you because of stupid migraines. You need to write about the change of weather pressure in North Carolina. That is going to be one that like affects everybody because, I mean, one day it's cold, next day it's steaming hot. Yep. Um, but how do you, because I did not know, you never mentioned about wanting to go to ACOC's birthplace and then you show up there and I'm like, wait a second. You're like less than 10 minutes away from my house. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, you're going to laugh at me. It's going to make me sound like I'm a little OCD. Maybe I am. So I, <laughs> I have, like I said, I have a giant list of ideas and that makes it sound like it's just kind of this big disorganized thing. No, it's not. It's um, so my list is broken down by County. For places and I have gone through and researched every county in North Carolina and all of the historic sites there and all of the some of restaurants and different things and so it's broken down by city <laughs> and whenever I go somewhere I go okay these are the ones that I really want to see while I'm there and so when I go I, I kind of have a, a list that's been prepared for probably about a year before I even started the blog. Um, and then it's broken down by, you know, language. Cause I talk about a lot of, a lot of other things other than just history or animals or plants. I, I kind of talk about um, our language. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but North Carolina is the most linguistically diverse state in wow. the United States. And so um, have different little sayings and, and dialects and different things that I want to talk about. And whenever I get around to them, all I have to do is reach over and grab it off the list and be like, okay, there you go. There's the blog post I want to cover this week. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm a little more organized than most others. I think I, so it's not hard for me to go, okay, I'm going here let me pull up my list. Here's all the historic sites. Here's all the parks where I want to go. But I think also too, maybe that might come to the fact that you're homeschooling as well, because I think having to research some of the stuff that you're teaching your girls kind of falls into researching where you want to go, because you can also incorporate that into your homeschool as well. Right. We actually use a lot of my trips as homeschool trips. Um, and so we'll take field trips. And this actually started years ago in Wilmington before we even moved to Fayetteville. We would go and we would take walking tours of Wilmington or we would go to Early Gardens or we would, you know, go to Fort Fisher or whatever. And when I would have to research it before we went and I would start while we were on the trip and they were having fun, I would be filling their heads full of all of the things about wherever we were at. And so that definitely plays a role in researching now because, you know, it started something. I'm like, okay, well, this wouldn't be that hard to transfer to what I do now. And I love the diverse topics. Like you said, you got folklore, you've got places to visit, the fire ants, the, the other stuff going on. But you also, what's the other, oh, my question just left me. See, you were talking about being nervous and look, I just, my question left me. But you also kind of make it so that the person that's coming along with you, it's like, it's like this. You're having a conversation with the person. That person is actually sitting down listening to you tell a story instead of, because you write it, you don't write it in a way that it's like, oh, it's proper English and you worry about that. No, you write it in the way that Southern colloquialism is. Right. So, like I said, I, I'm very inspired by Blind Pig and the Acorn. If you guys are watching this, please go check her out. She has an amazing blog. And I noticed that, you know, because when I moved to Wilmington from the mountains, 
um, I was teased heavily about my accent and the way that I spoke because, you know, people were used to country accents. People were used to Southern accents. I sounded like I was from a completely different country and people teased me and harassed me until I completely just lost my accent. You know, I would be, when I went home, I felt safe to use it, but whenever I was in Wilmington, I didn't. And so when I wrote up until that point, I always wrote very, very standard textbook English. Mm. And after reading Tipper's blog, I was like, I don't have to do that. I, I can write the way that I would speak. I can say y'all, I can say yuns, I can, you know, drop in the idioms that I would use every day. And it's going to help people connect with it even more because that's how we actually talk. And um, not only do I write like that, I, I write posts about our language because yeah. our language is actually very, very different because we were so rural for so long. Um, there are things that we say and pronunciations that we use that they don't use anywhere else. Um, like, oh, you know, I've I've heard it in my whole life. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone other on TV say oil. We say oil. Um, and that's for the car, for cooking or whatever. It's oil. Um, and so when I'm reading, I, I read it in my own accent and I'm like, OK, that sounds good. People are going to people, especially people from here, they're going to connect you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I use, I, I use my regular vernacular when I write and, and that was really inspired by her because that's what she does on her site. Yeah. Case in point on Twitter, you wrote aunt, aunt Cassie. And I said, Oh, it's aunt too in the North. And you're like, yeah, I've never heard aunt except on TV. <laughs> right. Um, so, and actually in the mountains when I was growing up was aunt. Aunt. Oh, I had an ain't Karen and an ain't Janie and an ain't Sandy. Um, or you know, we said ain't and but when I moved to Wilmington, it's aunt. And um, I don't think I've ever in real like a real discussion with someone else. I've never heard anyone use aunt before. Um, it even feels a little weird. Roll it off my tongue. <laughs> um, but you know, for people who aren't from here, I don't want them to be in a conversation and having no idea what we're talking about or yeah. no idea what we're saying. And I also, I noticed my kids don't speak the way that I do. They don't use the same idioms that I do. They don't use the same um, dialect that I do. And that kind of bothered me a little bit. I was like, it's a little weird that they hear these things all the time and yet they don't use them. Or when I say them, they're like, what does that mean? Um, and for me, I just naturally picked up on it, but it's almost like because kids today spend so much time on the internet or they spend so much time with their friends who are from different places or whose family, you know, don't adhere to the same kind of cultural standards that we do. They kind of lose that. And I want, I don't want that to happen. I, I, I want people to be comfortable speaking the way that they grew up hearing it. You know what I mean? I, I don't want these words and things to die off. They're, they're important to our culture. So um, yeah, I write about those things. I think it, it's something for people to connect with. And, and, you know, I, I've had people who are in their sixties write le emails to me and be like, how old are you? <laughs> you know, like, cause I grew up hearing this or I grew up doing this and I'm like, I'm, I'm 40, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite where you are yet, but I had that that same experience, you know, and I think um, it kind of connects people for them to know, you know, I grew up like that. And I know and don't get me wrong. I know my kids grew up, um, you know, pretty close to the way I did because we raised them pretty close to the way that we were raised. But they have lost some of the things that um, make us a little more unique and a little more diverse than everywhere else. And so I, I want to preserve that and I want them to have that to hold on to. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of people from North Carolina feel that way right now. Like we have a lot of people moving in, which is great. It's, it's great for the economy and, and we're a very welcoming state, but we also don't want to lose touch with who we are. And I feel like a lot of us kind of feel, um, what's a good way, displaced 
almost. Um, Wilmington, I love Wilmington. I was born in Wilmington. I spent most of my life in Wilmington. But when I go back to Wilmington today, um, like my mom, she was in a photography class. Um, This was a couple of years ago. There wasn't a single person in that class outside of her who was from Wilmington. Um, There's it's completely different place from where I grew up. And when I grew up there, it was a small coastal town. And when you go there now, the traffic is just atrocious. It's almost like a concrete jungle. There's roads on. It's just and. I still love Wilmington, you know, it's home and I still go, I still go back and I still appreciate all of the things, but it's kind of losing touch with what drew people there in the first place. And that's what I want to highlight in my blog is, you know, you can still grow, you can still change, you can still get better, but hold on to what makes us, what drew people in, in the first place. Right. Yeah. That is so true. Now, I want to ask you a question because I attended a live stream or a live podcast with um, Gracie. Um, Cassie's name Gracie. She's there live. <laughs> um, and people were like, hey, we're coming in from the people that were there at the podcast. We're coming in with such a preconceived notion about North Carolina that was so wrong. Why do you think that North Carolina gets such a bad rap? Right. So North Carolina, and here's something important that a lot of people don't know. North Carolina has always been an evenly split state politically. So you've always had um, with North Carolina itself, and we're not even talking about newcomers. We're we're just talking about in North Carolina. Um, There has always been this kind of, what's it? I don't know a good word for it. Um, rift. Um, and it, it actually, to me helps keep us all very moderate and understanding of other people and other ideas, because, you know, for me, half of my family was very, very liberal and half of my family was very, very conservative. And so for me, I'm somewhere really close to the middle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have one viewpoint, you think, oh, this is awful. But if you have the other viewpoint, you're like, oh, this is great. And I think people view North Carolina from a lens that doesn't take into perspective that historically, Mm -hmm. we have always been very, very evenly split. So that's unique. And and as far as other states go, usually it's heavily one way, heavily the other. Um, Here, you know, you're going to sit down at dinner and everybody's going to have a different viewpoint. Um, I don't think that people who aren't from here realize that they kind of want to put everybody in the same box in the same kind of, you know, we talked about this Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's this kind of perception that white Southerners are completely cut off from other cultures and other histories. And that is 100 percent false. That is not true at all. You know, I'm my my brother-in-law is black. Um, Well, might as well be my brother-in-law. And I love him to death. Hey, Dimitri, if you're watching, Um, I have a Mexican uncle, Mexican cousins. I have, um, you know, Native American family. Um, and this isn't new. This has been going on for decades, blended families and blended cultures. And so I think people kind of have this view of North Carolina is, oh, this is a Southern state who is, and and they think all these negative things. And it's really that they don't know or understand our culture, which is another great reason that I write my blog um, is because I want to talk about, like, I wrote a blog post about um, seashells on tombstones. And there's two different cultural perspectives on that. And I wrote about them both because they're both important here in North Carolina. And one is from um, Africans and one is from Europeans. And I shared them both because, you know, depending on which culture you're a part of, 
this is why you leave seashells at tombstones. Um, so, yeah, I think people just, if they spent more time here and if they got to know more people here, I feel like it, their viewpoint would be different. Yeah, that is so true because I, I think this was like, not the first time that I ran into it. I ran into it the other time when that author came and she was like, she was really worried that we weren't going to have anything to talk about because she had a preconceived notion in her head right. what it what, what I was going to be like. And then when she found out that I am a part of a multicultural family, she was like, oh, my goodness, you know, totally shocked. Right. Um, and that's there you go right there. You know, I've had people, you know, I, I bartended for a long time and there was a lot of people, especially here in Fayetteville, who would come in who would you know, they grew up in, you know, California or New York or wherever. And they would have this idea that, you know, if you if you were a white person, you you didn't like other races and you kept to yourself and you were, you know, and it's not like that at all. I've never seen it that way. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I think that those preconceived notions are probably one of the most furthest things from the truth that I, I personally mm -hmm. have ever experienced. Um, and I think it's great to, to break down that myth about North Carolina because it's not true. Um, and so I feel like the more we talk about it and the more we highlight it and the more we share about, you know, the different cultures and the things that and heritages that thrive here, the better understanding other people will have of it. That is so true. Now, our time is almost up. Is there one last little nugget before we talk about where people can find your blog and where they can follow you on social media that you want to share? Um, you know, I've started, this is, I'm excited about this. People have started emailing me a lot. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm a micro blog. I don't have this big, huge following, but I have this very loyal following. And so people have started reaching out to me and sharing their stories with me. Um, I shared one recently about um, a gentleman. His he was telling me about being punished for for cussing when he was a kid, and you know his mom sprinkled you know cayenne pepper in his mouth. And I've heard stories about people getting uh, hot sauce in the mouth or soap in the mouth. And so this is something I'm very familiar with. Luckily, I didn't get caught when I was a kid, so I never had to go through that. Um, and I shared it on the blog and a lot of people like responded to that, maybe not on the blog itself, but on social media, you know, they kind of connected with that. And so people have been sending me stories and I'm going to start sharing them because, you know, I don't want to just share my own perspective. I want other people to have the opportunity to share their stories, too. So if you're from North Carolina and you have something that you think would be interesting or you want to talk about, you can reach out to me and I'll totally post it. You know what? That sounds like a podcast idea. <laughs> Doesn't it? It does. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So tell people where, what your blog is and where they can find it. So I am um, where the dogwood blooms.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Pinterest and you can find me on Instagram. And which one of the ones you're most active on, you would say? So probably, probably Twitter. Um, but I, I'm pretty active on Instagram, too. I tend to hang out on the stories a little more than I do with my actual posts. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'll randomly be going to th through the grocery store and I'll see, you know, moon pies and I'll take a picture and post it. And Just posted it yesterday. <laughs> Or, you know, you know, see a picture of a lady call, carrying her pocketbook and I'll post it and be like, this is pocketbook in North Carolina, you know, because people, you know, don't know. So I'll just randomly <laughs> share a little knowledge with everybody. You know. I just love that. Now, what besides the storytelling event, what's up next for you? Um, honestly, I'm not sure. This summer we're going to hang out around home a little bit more. Um, so I'm probably going to do exploring a little closer to home. I want to come up and see you again so we can go to Cliffs of the News. Um, I know there's a state park in uh, Lumberton that I want to go see. Um, and then the storytelling is the big thing, though. So I have to make it through that before I do all the other stuff. And you're going to do amazing because you just told your stories here with, you know, you don't know who's listening and you just 
if you just do the way you did our conversation, you're going to do amazing. Awesome. Thank you, ma'am. I needed to hear that. <laughs> and you were so nervous to begin with. <laughs> I, was, I was really nervous. This went well, though. So, guys, I will put in the show notes everywhere you can find Cassie and her and her blog, Where the Dogwood Blooms. It, honestly, guys, if you want a little bit of Southern culture, you need to read this blog. I mean, I learned I learned some stuff. I mean, I was the only one in my family, and so my cousins moved down here. That was actually born in the South. My parents were from Massachusetts. Everybody else was born up north, and I was the only one born in the South. So. For a while there, I was lonely. I had the southern accent that when we go to visit cousins, you know, you get picked on. So I totally understand where you came from on that, too, as well. Yeah, um, I'm hoping it'll get more people in touch with southern culture and, and North Carolina culture is really what I want. Because, you know, there's actually a difference between North Carolina culture and even like South Carolina culture. We're a little different. So I'm hoping that, you know, people who come here and they're looking for a place that can either teach them about it or they can connect and feel like they're their home, um, that they'll come to where the dogwood blooms and I'll give them that. So and you know how you said that the blind pig and the acorn inspired you? Well, you've inspired me to write more personal posts as well. So thank you. So, guys, you will want to check out where the dogwood blooms. Um, I promise you will not be disappointed it's, it's a really great blog she doesn't post often so you can get caught up sometimes sometimes she posts a couple of times a week sometimes it's one sometimes it can take a, two weeks just depending on what she has going on in her life but, yeah, homeschool mom yeah <laughs> i'll write as much as i can and get it up as much as i can but yeah um usually i do at minimum five posts a month at minimum five posts see there you go um, Cassie, thank you for coming on. Thank you for agreeing to come on because honestly, you were like, I do not know. I'm so scared. Well, I figured I needed practice for storytelling. So step in the right direction. If I can do this, hopefully I can, you know. You can do it. Do it live. Yeah. yeah. And do you think you will on Instagram go live on your storytelling to share some stories? I mean, I don't know if I'll go live on Instagram, but I was thinking about um, filming parts of it mm -hmm. and posting certain stories as I go along. I'm I'm scared my family is going to be upset with me if I share the real story. If I share some of our real stories. Um, so I don't want to post some of them on social media. I don't mind like telling people who aren't recording me, but um, other ones I, I think that people might find amusing or be able to connect with. So we'll probably record some of them and post them maybe later that night after we're done. And if people are interested in going to the Highland Games and learning more about where you're storytelling, how can they get in contact? Just contact you? Yeah, just send me an email. Um, I'll be there that Friday, or excuse me, that Saturday and Sunday, and I'll be with Clan Cochrane in their tent. Um and I'll be sitting around and we're just going to tell some stories. Like, so if you walk up and you hear me telling some stories, just come and stand and listen. And, you know, hopefully other people will start participating too. We'll see. I'm hoping there'll be some other Appalachians there who are going to throw in, you know, their stories. So, yeah. I keep thinking the Highland games. I keep thinking of the scene in um, Outlander. <laughs> I've seen that scene where, um, what's her name? Oh my gosh, I cannot remember her name. The daughter, Brianna. Mm. Brie goes, and they go to North Carolina and they go to the Highland Games and they learn a little bit about their culture and stuff. Do you right. remember well, that? Storytelling is actually from um, Scotland and Ireland. And, you know, it was passed down generation through generation through generation. And, you know, that's how kind of Appalachian folklore and things got started. But it's also, like I said, um, it's very heavily um, influenced by family memory and family stories. So, you know, I know stories about my great, great, great grandparents that were told to me by my great grandfather and by my grandparents. So, um, and this oral tradition, it's still a lot very live today. I promise I'm a part of it. So um, it's not surprising that they showed it in Outlander, you know, it's, but yeah, I'm hoping that when people, walk up and I'm telling stories. I'm hoping that they're going to jump in and share some of their own. Um, hopefully there'll be a few people from Appalachia who'll, you know, be part of my family and they'll be able to share some stories too. 
I absolutely love that. So Cassie, thank you for coming on and for sharing where the dogwood blooms. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So guys, until the next time, be blessed. And most importantly, keep chatting. Bye. Chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. 